Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. I will point out that when we did this recording last week, I set my volume completely wrong and I was bellowing over you the entire podcast. Now, oh. I have no idea if this is better. You can never know until you listen back to it and you go, oh, it's just effed. It's just done. But um, I think hopefully it's fine. I'll cross all the fingers. But um, I this kind is... of like it. I like the idea where it's just kind of like you take control. And I'm just there, a little voice in the background, <laughs> a little mouse just popping out with my cheese. Just like, hey, it's my take. I've got stuff too. Like sort of Rob Brydon's little uh, inner voice in, living yeah. inside the man's throat. But anyway, anyway, this is the entire Banner podcast. The UBP, the UBP. UBP, UBP. Oh, UBP. I'm Scott Tilford, joined by Jules Gill. Hello, everyone. Where we ask for your various questions, thoughts, whatever you would like us to talk about. Now, I did cast a very wide net this week. I just said literally anything. Whatever you wanted to talk about, we'll do our best. So we got a, a nice little slew of food questions, lifestyle questions, mostly gaming questions still, um, but just a nice a nice bag of stuff. So thanks so, to everybody. So our trough, our gaming trough, is now <laughs> overspilled into a gaming ocean of questions. Now we're going to drown in all of these questions. The trough overfloweth. So we'll try and get through as many as we can. First question from David Goh, who says, is there a wow factor in gaming moments anymore? For example, stepping out into Hyrule Fields in Ocarina. What was the last wow moment you had in gaming that took you back to why you got into gaming in the first place? Well, I, ironically, I'd say that the uh, Zelda example there is pretty apt mm. because uh, for a lot of people going out of the, what's the planes called that you start in Breath, oh, in Breath of the Wild? Of the Wild. Yeah, 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 you yeah. step out into that. That, like it's the same feeling as like coming out of the vault in um fallout 3 mm. for the first time and having like the blinding light and then just being having all of the wasteland unveil in front of you it's just mm -hmm. kind of like that that moment of feeling this is the game world that's what i look for for my mm -hmm. wow factor I, I don't i don't look for it in terms of like action or in terms of what i can do because that's mm -hmm. more of like a sort of that's cool but i wish i was playing it sort mm -hmm. of thing like it's definitely about the world setting that gives me that wow it's, factor. It's interesting because the Ocarina one, like that was like, look how, because at the time it was, oh my God, look how massive this space is. And if you go back yeah. to it now, it's it's quite small, but it's, it's piddly, still, isn't it? It still works in regards to the context of that game and everything. But, um, and then, yeah, like, you know, there's different open world examples and stuff. Breath of the Wild's a good shout. I think for me, like, um, you know, the whole open world thing, like it was like Skyrim was incredible in 2011. Mm -hmm. Obviously Breath of the mm -hmm. Wild was 2017. I really, I actually said like, oh my God, <laughs> in a wow set, in a wow sense or whatever, playing metroid dread when you do right. oh god can we talk can we talk about metroid we, dread? we have is a metroid it, dread is... question uh, in a little bit but okay um, cool but yeah right. but but still when you in that game because they obviously it's mercury steam mixed with nintendo which makes it kind of feel like a um, an east meets west style design mentality because the the bosses are like old school nintendo style bosses with like different patterns to learn and stuff but then they have proper like god of war style cutaways mm. that you can just if you time your counter at the right time, the parry thing, then you'll go into these really cool little mini cutscenes, but they're not cutscenes. You play them. You can still fire, yeah. you can still shoot, you can still do damage. 
that was when I was like, oh my God, like Nintendo was never done anything like this before. And that's a really cool thing. And like, just, I mean, it's not, it's not on the same level as, oh my God, look at the size of this world. I would cite, like you said, Breath of the Wild, Death Stranding would be another one for me in that regard. But just realizing that they took the 2D Metroid template and twinned it with big cinematic yeah. boss kills. I was like, this is incredible. I guess you can have those moments, those like little wows as mm. they were, where they're just kind of like, that's really clever how they've done that, all this. Sense, yeah, like, because yeah. the, the thing that you're talking about there, that empowerment of like Samus and the player at the same time, mm. because you're directly influencing the moves. Because I was saying to you before, I hate like cutscene badass player dunce like oh, okay. situations where like your character will do something amazing in the cutscene, but as soon as they hand over control to you, you're just flailing around mm. and can't do anything like it. Mm. Whereas in that, it's scripted, but you're still firing rockets into the face <laughs> of that person. You think, yes, I am doing this. I yeah. love that feeling. I think as well, um, because I like the, there is that whole look at the, like how big this space is type stuff. Yeah. Then it's also for me some of it's like rendering stuff like or just like graphical capability stuff like doom eternal running at like 120 frames a second is insane um i love um dragon ball z or dragon ball fighter z yeah fight, yeah fighters also, i've been, been corrected on that many times it's pronounced fighters that's how you gotta pronounce the, it apparently it's the new dragon ball game that yeah. like, the fact that it looks just like the anime but it is rendered in 3d i think that's a hell yeah. of a graphical style same with the new demon slayer game that thing looks incredible like i, I got that the other night um all that stuff too you can get it from like uh, when we do the behind the curtains thing and look at mm. how these things are programmed, like uh, how uh, Horizon Zero Dawn used that whole rendering thing of like it only yeah. renders the cone of your view and everything else is like loading in and out of it, but it's like so snappy that it's like really allows for a, a great fidelity mm -hmm. on the uh, the backgrounds. That, that amazing. whole like the the craft of video games, I think for me is the thing where any developer goes, hey, by the way, like you know this background calculation was determining mm. whether to hit you from afar with a bullet, and we let you dodge this and things like that, like whatever. How However, that comes together as well. But the question was, was mm. it, are there any wow moments in gaming? Yeah, is that it was, what it was. Like, um, yes, is there a wow factor in gaming moments anymore? Yeah, I'd still say that it's there. It's unfortunately buried by um, people trying to push graphical fidelity mm. over say like uh mechanical like a uh, gameplay stuff like i think that it's definitely still there because look at the uh the rise of the indie game crowd mm. like the amount of like bedroom developers that have the tools now to create these amazing games you see so many amazing ideas come together and i sometimes look at them and go wow how did nobody think of crossing this genre with this genre before mm. like we were talking about dodgeball academia like that is an incredible mesh that i didn't see coming and i don't think anyone saw coming mm -hmm. but that was like a wow factor because it shows that there is still unique ideas in the gaming discussion left to display. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the like, art style of that thing is so gorgeous as well. Actually, speaking mm -hmm. of like big vistas that just look gorgeous, Sable being like cell shaded mm -hmm. and also open world, like that thing is absolutely stunning. One thing that they mentioned is like, you know, citing Ocarina of Time, and we cited Breath of the Wild, we cited mm -hmm. like big technical leaps in game design the, la the latest one of them would be all the ssd loading stuff but it's not there's not been that many games that take advantage of it other than ratchet and clank but i think the first time that rift apart loads an entire gta 3 size level in yeah. half a second that's incredible yeah um, but i'm yet to see someone use that as a game mechanic like it's not like you can hold an entire world that uh, you know elongates from your arm and smash someone with it or something like i, I don't know how you <laughs> like a lightsaber of a city or something like uh, i don't know how you would do that but like like i like the idea of them potentially coding something that would let you weaponize ssd loading tech then yeah. maybe you'd get to the, get there um next question mm -hmm. from mike neal who says hey scott and jules big fan from melbourne australia will either 
of you be getting involved in AEW's wrestling game when it launches now that you're back into the graps? Now, I don't know if you're keeping up yeah. with AEW, but I'm I'm loving AEW. I, I have been keeping up with AEW. Admittedly, I haven't been watching the uh, the show as much. I've just been catching up on Simon Miller's like the ups and downs oh, bits yeah, yeah. and the, the sort of the catch-ups that we it's do. So, so I've, actually, I've actually been watching our content to try and keep abreast of the situation. Uh, but I've also seen tons of clips as well. There's so many great names that are returning and so many like uh, original built uh, AEW stars like mm-hmm. Hangman Page coming back. I was so gassed oh, to see him. Oh, like, my friend. Oh, I know, you're a big fan of Luchasaurus, I love Luchasaurus. Aren't you? I've got a Luchasaurus figure coming, but he's not, it's not arrived yet. I'm really keen for this AEW game. Uh, mm. I'm, I'm approaching it kind of with kid gloves on at the moment because mm. I do think that as a first foray into the uh, video game market for this wrestling game, I don't think it's going to be the one that's going to be a direct WWE challenger straight out of the gate. However, it's, yeah. it's not exactly like it's a hard crown steal at the moment that's because the, the recent WWE games haven't been that great. No, that's the thing. A lot of stuff is in its favor. Like they, uh, I know that they, according to Tony Khan, who's like the owner of AEW, said that they've sunk an eight-figure sum into making sure that they put as much money and R&D into the game as possible. Um, Kenny Omega, the wrestler, who is also a giant Mm -hmm. nerd gamer, Mm -hmm. is the one in charge of the gaming division. Um, And they've directly cited the old SmackDown games as something that they want to aim for. Plus, the developer is Ukes. So it is who used to make the old SmackDown games. So, and like you said, you know, the 2K series WWE stuff is in a horrific place. So they're kind of poised to take the crown the thing is is they just need to actually deliver on stuff that fans have been requesting for ages like i could definitely forego uh like graphics looking amazing Mm. if the gameplay was as liquid fast as it was in the old smackdown Mm -hmm. games and i want that arcade over the top action i want the crazy match stipulations but most importantly i want them to approach this game in a way that wwe hasn't by making sure that the roster is updated as quickly as possible Mm. because the amount of times that you play like a wwe game and the uh they're not even on the roster or their outfit is completely completely changed and they never ever offer updates to that point so this if they had like a live service style system Mm. where they allowed you to update the roster like at the end of every month or after every pay-per-view then it'll be amazing to have like costumes that you've just seen on tv like Mm -hmm. in that game they might do um, what FirePro do and just have like a big online sharing skin system mm. where you can just go on and download whatever the latest stuff is. Um, but yeah, graphically, I mean, they talked about the point they've got a new idea for a wrestling system that hasn't been done before. So I'm kind of curious okay. what that is, if that lets you sort of mesh different moves together. Because like there's a lot of, in AEW, one of the reasons that I got back into it, because I haven't watched wrestling in like 17 or 20 yeah. years or something, um, was because there are so many new moves that you just don't see anywhere else. And I wonder if they'll let you do them in a way. Because... I don't know if you played ECW Hardcore Revolution. I have played day. that game, yeah. Um, but that. that game, that let you sort of like pick people up and then you would hold them like above you and then you would run around the ring yeah. and you could choose whether to throw them over the ropes, whether to tie them up in the turnbuckle, whether it actually do another slam or not. And yeah. I wonder if that idea of combining stuff is maybe going to be front and center in um, the new AEW game. Now, I do agree that that could make for a really like technically quite deep Mm. experience. But my worry is if they make it too complex, then it's going to take away from that immediacy of just being like, I want to batter my friends in. Mm. It's like grab. Then I've got to remember the combo to move from that to like an arm bar. Yeah. Then I've got to like go arm drag. Chris Jericho's two of 1001 moves. Like like you've got to do like all these things that will probably make the game rich for veterans but for newcomers it might be very alienating and yeah right now I, they want to get as many people interested in this game as possible yeah well the things like everyone used to love old school wrestling games like they're just fun yeah. arcade brawler style things and like to get back to that like ditch the simulation stuff just make a fun over the top thing um and the, the character models that they've released so far there's a one for omega Kenny omega and there's yeah. a one for darby allen and they look a bit more um like sort of rounded and cartoony so i think they're going yeah. for like an over the top style um aesthetic which i would totally be on board with point being to get back to 
what Mr. Uh, Mike Neal said. Yes, we'll be all over this game. Yeah, I can't very excited. Um, next question from Chase Flora. Morning Legends, been thinking about the older Spider-Man games lately. What's your personal favorites? Mine is absolutely Ultimate Spider-Man and Web of Shadows. Now, nothing for me beats the PlayStation 1 Spider-Man. That is the golden, so golden good, standard. It's so good, that game. Introduced Did you play the sequel Stan. as well? See, funnily enough, no, because that game didn't review as well. But I like I love the first one so much, and I, and like it's introduced by Stan Lee and Daredevils yeah. in it, and like there's everyone punishes in it, and I thought that game was phenomenal. And then Child Me just didn't bother with Enter Electro because it was it wasn't the same devs, and then it reviewed worse. And I, I didn't do you know what? Be hurt. It, it's, be it's, hurt. It's, it's an undersung hero. It's mm. a really good game, actually. Um, it's not as it's not as like out and out funny as um, the first one was because I loved that the first game Served, had the what yeah, if the mode that allowed you to have like the craziness where they were just like more lackadaisical <laughs> with how they did a bit stuff i was like that's really funny that they mm. managed to not only put in an effectively an entirely new mode but they're like a self-aware mode and i was like oh, venom as well clever. in that game like venom the new movie's out today but the, the portrayal of venom in that first spider-man ps1 game even if you just go on youtube and watch the cutscenes, is brilliant Mate, like when he's so well written <laughs> when he's running through the apartment block and he's like the woman screams like hey lady like he's just like the, the big dumb bruiser guy yeah. but um it's just oh it's so good but um i liked um uh, a game that sticks in my memory for the spider-man games uh, obviously the ps4 games uh the ps4 Spider-Man is amazing. Yeah. That will be like my technical best as in like mm. I had so much fun with that game. I remember I played that game quite late and I came mm. to you and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> like, I know. And I, I know. Like, and then this happened. You're like, I know. <laughs> um, but Maximum Carnage for the SNES was, oh man. See, I never crazy. got, I played a one, I don't know what console it was on. Um, one of my friends had it. It was a really old system. Um, and it was when Spider-Man had two different voices when he was Peter Parker versus when he was Spider-Man. So right, there okay. was one cutscene where he's like, he's like, hey, Mary Jane, like, hey, how's it going? And then like, he has to go and like, take, he has to fight some villain and he has to go leave or something. And he just switches into Spider-Man. He's like, hey, can I bring you back a hot dog? And I remember that being hilarious when I was about eight years old, but he's literally just two completely different voices. Like, I've got to hide my voice, so. Oh man, I loved playing on Maximum Carnage there because it was me and my cousin played that an absolute mm -hmm. ton. And I just remember, it was always the argument over who was going to play Venom because the fact that Spider-Man's special move was just like, it would attack one guy, right? Mm -hmm. And it would just do a lot of damage to one guy but venom had like a, a screen clearing move so you just uh -huh. kind of like oh you're just infinitely better than to be me. honest the um chase mentions uh, ultimate spidey that was a lush little game like cell shaded mm -hmm. very nice very iconic very i guess iconic at this point and um, would totally benefit from a 4k 60 style re-release like that art style was lush what was the game where it was it called uh, it was like the shattered dimensions one yeah, where, yeah like cool. you that was, was like, quite it was like noir Spidey for the yeah. stealth sections in 2099. Yeah, I, I did enjoy that game. It was very mm. like, I mean, kind of ironic considering the uh, the nature of the gameplay. It was very fractured in terms of its narrative. Yeah. As like, I didn't really like it didn't get me for that but i love the switch ups in gameplay and the fact that you played in such different ways mm. it was quite it was more like brawlery like they sort of made like mm -hmm. i mean there was there was a stealth stuff for noir but there was just a lot of punching and kicking compared to the how well spider-man 2 had done which mm -hmm. obviously that's a landmark spider game um next there's question a from... lot, there's a lot of good spider-man games just yeah man it. it's like this, that, that was the whole thing kind of looking back when the new one came out of like man this character has like a legacy in gaming um yeah. next question from andy taylor i'm loving metroid dread and it got me thinking about yeah. where it would sit amongst the best metroidvania games ever made what are your top three also love the podcast guys keep up the awesome work um thank you very much but the, thank you mate for these things let's rank metroids more than for me right now if it were just doing it on metroid mm. rankings then it goes super metroid dread yep. prime that's my top three. Oh, oh! I don't class Prime in that 
way, but yeah, oh, I probably really? should. I, I, I'm with you. I would have Super at number one. Dread is absolutely number two. Mm-hmm. And then I would just have Fusion or Zero Mission for number three. Uh, see, I've not played Fusion, and you said ah, that was absolutely Fusion's amazing. really good, yeah. Mm-hmm. Fusion's like the one where they introduce the X-Parasites and the, some of the more advanced movement stuff. Isn't the gameplay very similar to Dread? It's like the 2D, but in a modern era. Uh, kind of. So. Fusion's kind of got like the thing where you can mantle up stuff. and uh, you're, I mean, okay. it's, it's just a nice snap. It's when they, when they redid Metroid 1 as Zero Mission, then they did Fusion, and Fusion is like Metroid oh. 4. It's a continuation of the story. Right. Zero Mission is the remake. But they have, it's yeah, everything moves a lot smoother. Um, oh my God, Samus Returns is up there as well. I just don't like how repetitive that one is, but that's the one on 3DS, yeah, which I've is the remake that- of Metroid 2. Yeah, I've heard that the Samus Returns <laughs> is like a good game, but it's yes. like padded out excessively. A little bit. It's the one that brought mm. in the parry system that they then have in Dread. Um, right. But it doesn't okay. have, um, it's it just, for me, it's just a bit repetitive. All you're doing is hunting down various uh, like random Metroids. And you do, you kind of do the same boss battle over and over and over again. I think so. that's why I loved uh, Dread so much is because that and Super Metroid, they had a lot of backtracking mm. in it, but it was done in a way that the game still was funneling you into new things and putting in environmental hazards that make mm. those areas that you've already been through feel fresh like going through dread and this isn't spoilers this is just like an environmental detail you'll go through an area one time and it will be like uh there's not enough lava flowing through the area mm-hmm. so there's like frozen blocks and stuff around come back through once the lava's been it's all melted come yeah. back through again and the, the facility's like crumbling and being destroyed so there's like new uh debris in the way that's stopping you from getting to certain mm-hmm. locations like that made it feel fresh even though we were retreading the same place yeah. over and over again i think that that is a great example of a bad video game mechanic done amazingly well oh, like totally. because the worst example of backtracking in my mind is that devil may cry 4 bollocks <laughs> when it was like you played through half the game as nero and then it was just kind of like do the yeah, exact the same, same levels, levels again, again yeah. even with the same bosses as dante and i was like what is this mess yeah it was that, just like dropping a different character into the exact same thing yeah like that's a bad way of doing it but this was just like oh no it, it feels different if you've got new power-ups now so you can get through different things i was like oh, oh this man, is really like, clever the level design is incredible in that game yeah like honestly like that's the whole thing like with a, with a good metroid game it's that flow like it's that that general gameplay loop of like new ability okay i know where i need to i know where i need to use that i'm going to go back mm-hmm. and explore a new place and it's not to like humble brag or do a flex or anything but i didn't get stuck in metroid dread in terms of where to go i have seen a lot of people on twitter Twitter saying that they get they're getting lost a lot. Maybe it's just their new Metroid game, and maybe it's because we've played mm-hmm. them for decades. Um, but I, I thought it was one of the easiest ones in regards to where to go. Like I didn't get lost at all. I was just like, okay, this weapon is clearly for this thing. Yeah. And if you go on the map, um, I didn't realize this until after I'd finished. And now I'm going back through it on hard mode. But if you go on the map and hover over one of the um, the obstacles that you couldn't clear before, yeah, it will you say can press what you a need. button. Yeah. yeah, it'll tell you what you need. But also you can hit a button that shows you all the other locked versions of that same door. So you're ah, sort of like, clever. oh okay, that gun opens at like four different places. Okay, I need to go over here again. And um, yeah, for me, it just always works. And even when I thought I was like wandering off the beaten path, mm-hmm. it looped back around to the right place again. I was about to say, I never felt lost, even no. though I definitely did go off the beaten path a few right. times because I was always being rewarded with finding secrets mm. or little upgrades. And I was like, mm. oh, okay, I feel like I've grown as a character by doing mm-hmm. this. So I don't feel like it was a waste of my time. Because I've seen that you can get, um, you can sequence break it. You can get the bombs early and then that gives you like a different boss animation when you fight um, Craig or the hell that thing's called really that big, he's oh, not called Craig, but that, that big lad um, oh experiment he, like, x52 or whatever, whatever that big is, fella like... is with the little arms and he's yeah. in super metroid oh um, i know i always just create or craig or something i've never been able to remember that thing's name i'm going to call him craig he's but, the one um, that you can like push off the stage in one of the boss battles in a yes, previous yeah, yeah, game yeah. you can just fire it back and he goes <laughs> <laughs> but like, when you fight him if you have the bombs ahead of time you can do a specific animation with him that you can't do and um, if you're just following the main progression but yeah overall metroid dread is stellar and i mm-hmm. love there's so many little bits in 
that game, like um, the little horror rooms, how it sort of changes mm -hmm. up the gameplay style, things like that. Um, I love my time with that game. I wish I finished it in seven and a half hours. I wish it was longer. Um, but it's still, I'll take a stellar seven and a half hours over a bloated 50 hours. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> in a rare, rare example, Jules Gill beat a game before Scott Telford <laughs> by a grand total of seven minutes. Yes! <laughs> To be fair, I mean, that's the thing. After all, I think it's because I died so much to the last boss. Like, I just Man, was, he's, I he, memorized he, right. everything. Right. He sucks so much, but I love him. <laughs> like, he's a great boss battle because of the fact he doesn't. <clears throat> I was so worried that he was going to be like, oh, I'm going to tell you how to defeat me. Right. All of my moves. And it's like, no, you've got to bloody learn. You've given, been given the tools. Now you've got to experiment with how they can be mm -hmm. used in practice. Like, hey, look, there's a giant unblockable screen uh, attack how are you going to dodge that why don't you just try turning into a ball and it's like <laughs> <Yes>! <laughs> but it was like being him like struggling through that first phase and then he comes back as a second phase and like i mean boss spoilers in regards to the phases um nothing other than that but um that whole thing with that final bit i texted you at like two o'clock in the morning being like there's there's another phase like are we are you kidding there's a third phase that second stage is that i thought too as well when i downed him i was like yeah take that you son of a gun and then it was just kind of like oh no he's back for more oh god he's bigger oh no oh god it's a, it's a whole thing but yeah that game is absolutely stellar deserves its sales domination it's like yeah. sold more than i think the last two or three metroids combined or something and it's absolutely yeah. flying it deserves um, it it deserves it it looks gorgeous especially on the i mean i'm playing obviously i got the oled switch and everything it looks really nice on there too introducing wondersuite from bluehost.com website creation is hard but now with bluehost you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique wordpress website or store right away from there you can customize your design colors and content and bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like google and bing from step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Next question from Suguru, who says, love the show, my favorite podcast while driving. Thank you very much. And um, I have to ask, what is your favorite movie theme tune of all time? Now, I have a very specific answer for this, but it depends where your mind goes. That is such a tough one. I sing it's like... Yeah, go for it. Would it be Jurassic Park? By it's Jurassic Park by a landslide. Nothing's even close to that. And it's just childhood incarnate. 
unfortunately because of working in the what culture towers and having the people play pool around the corner for so long <laughs> and constantly slamming the uh the pool cues into the ground in rhythmic fashion i will forever have the terminator theme stuck in my head it kept on doing that all the time whenever it was like somebody was winning in dramatic fashion it is that is um it's pretty chunky i think they put that back i think it's in the latest terminator resistance game they made yeah. like a synth wave heavy version of that next question from vin van meel who says best experience at university go oh man best what does your mind serve up when you think of that i just think of stupid stuff yeah i, I just think of just <laughs> hanging out with my friends and having a really nice time i'm trying to think of that's a... very nice i think of stupid drunk stuff and things that we broke and... oh, to be honest i, nah. I was i was lucky in the fact that i was um uh when i went to exeter uni and mm -hmm. they've got quite a good music scene well they did and one of the places to go to was called the cabin it was like a very small oh, underground cool. club that could only host about like 50 to 60 people mm -hmm. but it would always have like these up-and-coming like punk metal like hardcore bands and i would just remember being there with my friend who uh, was an evangelical christian called tim okay. and uh. he was just like he's <laughs> like i don't actually like these songs but i'll come with you because uh no one else seems to want to go and i was like hey, uh -huh. that's fine and he just stood there he was like and afterwards he was like i really love metal but this is really nice and like, and i was like yeah <laughs> i love the know, idea he, i was still like smash cuts of him he's like his hair's all scragged up yeah. he's like taking his shirt off he's like this is the best thing ever we also oh another great memory is that one that um i told you guys about my greatest gaming achievement which was completing mm. the endless set list on rock band 2 with my Show. housemates at the time and i remember us just having to like it was just so knackering. No one was like willing to give up, but we were getting down to like the <laughs> final few songs, which I think was like Run to the Hills was one of them. And then mm -hmm. there's one for like Judas Priest that had that like that amazing drum solo, but it starts off with painkiller. Painkiller. And I was just remember just being like, I'm so tired. It's like four in the morning, <laughs> but I'm having to do this on expert because I'm an idiot. I'm just but like, it needs what? to be done. If you if you've banked like the previous 10 hours or something, it needs to pay off. When we did it. It was mm -hmm. like that moment of, I must have told you this, we yeah, paused yeah. the game, all went to sleep, came back in the morning and did it because it was like, uh, so the Xbox had been on all night. It felt like my room was like <laughs> cooking because I'd had like an oven on. And so it's like, everyone, I'll be ready for this. It's like, yeah, got our coffees, just sat there. It's like mentally prepare ourselves. And when we <laughs> finally got through the final note, it wasn't even like a whole, all the band were still there. Right. It was um, that thing of, uh my friend miranda had died mm -hmm. like so it's like the last thing you know when it has the countdown thing of like you've got to finish yeah, the yeah song so you need to get some song yeah you get some notes it, it got to the bit where it was down to the final one we were like no <laughs> we can't bring it back come on come on come on and literally it went to that thing of like there's a final note and you know right. in the final note you're just like waiting for it like where is it where is it, and it <laughs> pretty much just on the line and we we're like yeah it's like diffusing <laughs> the final bomb like with one second oh, left on the clock and that, that oh. That achievement, so the amount of time they ask you to invest, like if anyone, and on an Xbox as well, if a 360 had red ringed during that process, like yeah. you probably just would have given up on games altogether. Um, the, my... the worst, the worst oh, thing oh, was, sorry, just to say, was like oh. um, there was that other achievement which had the the bladder of steel or whatever it's called, yes. where it was like completely end the set list without failing or pausing or something mm -hmm. like that. And I remember seeing that afterwards because I thought we'd unlocked that, and that was like the be all and end all of it. And I was like. Right, we're not doing that. Well, that's the end of that game then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never coming back to this yeah. game. Um, my thing for uni, if anyone says, what did you get up to at uni? I do remember all the new friends that I made. I do remember starting the writing blog that would become getting hired at What Culture and stuff. But it's mainly just stupid drunk stuff. Like 
stealing traffic cones. The stupid stuff that you do that you think is cool when you're a student that is just ridiculous, like stealing parts of construction work, the sandbags and putting them outside yeah. my friend's uh, doors or stealing the <laughs> Nissan flag because that was just just running around uh, the streets going, Nissan, just, you know, it was a good time. Um, had to be there. You had to, you had be, to be there. there. It was funny. If you're, if you're in your mid-20s and you steal a Nissan flag, there's a few things better. Next question from Alex King who says, Hideo Kojima recently posted an Instagram picture of him dressed like a Jedi. Would you be up for a Hideo-produced Star Wars game? Uh, and how, how would you fantasy book how that game would play out? Okay, so first off, no. I, I, <laughs> I, I don't. Star Wars lore is already complicated enough for all of the diehard fans. I do not need Hideo Kojima sticking his two pipes in there. And I think but if David like... Cage is going to do one, if David Cage is doing a Star Wars game, then maybe... Hideo Kojima just needs to, I mean, he's not going to balance it out. He's just going to tip it off the edge altogether. Right. But, well, let's let's fantasy know. book it between you and I. So, what, <laughs> so what's he going to do? He loves bringing back characters. He loves mm. referencing old things in ways that you don't expect. So what mm -hmm. I imagine is that he's going to set the game where Darth Vader is coming back. But it turns out, shock reveal is like the Raiden thing, where it's like it's a completely different character just to he's, annoy his fans. He's and played by be, Norman Reedus. Because played by Norman, yeah. God, <laughs> probably played by Norman Reedus. Um, and then what he's going to do, he's going to be like, I am your, and you think he's going to say father, and he goes, worst nightmare, and then he rips it off, and it's actually Ronald McDonald's, <laughs> and he'd just be like, what's the matter? Are you Sith of this? Can you not handle like, me? Yeah. He sort of turns into those weird, uh, the dream sequences from season one of Alan Partridge, where he's just sort of dancing about, and there's little, there's little <laughs> shoes on, just yes. sort of going, don't open that drawer. Horny, just don't sort of <laughs> I mean, the thing with um, Hideo is I had the utmost faith in him until I played Death Stranding and then I experienced that game's story and it part of me died inside and I sort of knew what was coming. But the bit where he's running, where he gets um, Sam slash Norman Reedus to run in slow motion um, with Beach. the character Princess Beach and she yeah. literally says, oh, so you're Mario and I'm Princess Beach. And I was just like, I, I actually need to never touch this again. I just yeah. never need to do that but I, I would see what he would come up with i think he would do some stupid crotch-based metaphor for what a lightsaber is considering when he did zone of the enders the cockpit was the literal cockpit so okay. yeah okay so let's okay if we just dial it back on the narrative and just focus on gameplay right now now yes. his specializations are stealth, uh, stealth and subterfuge titles right that's, yes. that, that, that's his bread and butter how would he approach a Star Wars game that played to his strengths. Because it ain't a racing game. I'll tell you that much after watching the director's cut stuff for Death Stranding. <laughs> it ain't going to be a racing game. <laughs> the physics in that uh, the extended racing stuff. I mean, the, the physics, yeah, they were they were pretty bad in the original game anyway. I guess he did an, an open world explorathon fetch quest thing. But yeah, if you were going to do a stealth, a stealth Star Wars game, it would actually be really cool because it's never been done. But I also think you would lose, I guess, a lot of the signature elements because you couldn't, you could do lightsaber kills, but they're so loud as weapons, they would alert everybody anyway unless you don't have that's his twist is that mm. there's no jedi or sith in the game and it just focuses on like a bounty hunter just a style guy. thing like because remember star wars bounty hunter that was actually a really underrated that game. game yeah if they did that but with stealth sections you might be saying that this is the new sam fisher like well you know when they when star wars 1313 was being made that opened that on a stealth section, amazing and yeah, it was like amazing. dude hunch behind a bit of cover and stealth killed the guy so maybe there's a way to do it i just i guess i would wonder how much of it you would lose but i i how much of the star wars feeling you would use but i am curious what kojima what he thinks he should explore in Star Wars because I like he's all very socio-politically minded maybe he would delve into that stuff last you know what I've, I've just realized what he'd do mate <laughs> he'd, set the, he'd set the entire game with you being a Gungan 
and, and you're living the entire life like doing absolutely nothing just collecting little gungan fruit chilling out with your gungan doing that pals. walk that they do yeah, just, doing the little yep. walk there doing some little uh, fetch quest for boss nas and then at the very end of the game that's when Qui-Gon Jinn rocks up and you get killed in the uh, Naboo Wars that's the big end of the game I'd probably take that to be honest I think um, that I mean the, most of um, like Star Wars history has chosen I'd, rightfully so to forget about everything relating to Jar Jar Binks including what George Lucas did but I I might take a Hideo Kojima written Gungan game. That and would the, be a hell of a thing. And the reference to another game that he'd do, like with the Mario and Princess Beach, he'd say, um, well, I guess that this is, uh, guess we're Gungdams. Like Gungs, Gung, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, and then they get and to then... mecha suits that are just giant Jar Jar faces. And, it would fl- and every time it fires lasers, <laughs> it just goes, Misa. He's the guy that Misa. saw the end of Matrix Path of Neo, where giant Agent Smith comes in yes. and he just goes, why didn't I think yeah. of that? That's yeah, the, that I should have done that. That's genius. But um, yeah, I I would take whatever he could whatever he could craft. Um, next question from Jim Donaldson, who says, "Afternoon, fellas. In my humble opinion, GTA Five, American Idiot, the album, and the Matrix are all masterpieces in their respective media. However, none of them are perfect. Is making a perfect game easier or harder than a perfect film or album? Oh. Like, philosophically, what even is perfection? I think perfection yeah. is it's it's whatever crafts the the, the amount of the whole. It depends yeah. how that comes together." Like sometimes flaws can make something perfect. Yeah, perfection is a personal thing as well. Like, yeah, and I feel like there are so many outlets that check out like ten out of tens for like games and stuff like that. Mm. that We lose all meaning of what perfection is because it's like if you if you as a director feel like your vision was achieved then that film is perfect for yes. you but as an audience member if they can understand that then that's completely different because there's so much stuff as well that like loads of corporations are chasing the perfect product and it feels like mm. a product it feels like a studio mandated test audience shaped yeah, thing you're totally it's, right it kills everything you get like homogeneity seeping in the moment yeah. you start thinking that it's got to be perfect for everyone and not just perfect for Look a niche at set of people. Look at everything that Ubisoft are doing. Like the X Defiant is like their really stupid take on Call of Duty meets Overwatch. And they just announced um, Ghost Recon Frontline, which is their mm-hmm. take on PUBG. And it's got a building mechanic like in Fortnite. And that's yes. them going like, well, these are perfect mechanics. And it's just like, yeah. no, that needs to be human. But an example of what I personally would consider to be mm. a perfect franchise, despite its flaws, is the Dark Souls and Blood Souls, anything from, ah. from software in that sense, because mm-hmm. that is perfect at what it sets out to achieve. It strove to set out, like, to say, this is what our games are going to be. Mm-hmm. And they achieved that in their gameplay. Mm-hmm. So I'd say that from a certain perspective, that they are perfect games, even yeah. though they are not for everyone. Oh man, like my my general like maxim if I'm reviewing something is just like, okay, what were they setting out to do and how well did they nail it? Because then like, for me, that applies to everything on all scales of production. You can mm-hmm. do a tiny Tetris style game and <clears throat> if that's what you set out to do and you nailed it, then well done. That's, a, that's potentially a five-star game. Like I'm not that bothered about how many versions it's been done before you've achieved the goal you set out to do yeah i think that there was actually like i can't remember what the book is but it's like a really famous book on game design which says mm. like the more simple your idea the uh, the, the easier it is to execute mm. and if you manage to do that then you you've literally fulfilled your brief and mm. it's the best game ever sort of thing in in that sense and they're saying therefore that pong should be considered the most perfect game <laughs> because it is the simplest it achieves exactly what it needs to do and it never set out to do anything else so within those parameters it's the perfect experience i think if, if i was reviewing pong then yeah i think if i was, I was claiming that something is the best like game of all time it would have to factor in what games have meant over the years over the decades yeah. and what they're yeah. capable of but still yeah i mean in regards to like what even is perfection in, in gaming it tends to be like you said it relates to what they were going for and how well I they mean, managed to execute on it 
arguably the more you add in, the more risks you're taking in it, taking away from that perfection mm. because you've got the more things that go wrong. Like if we were talking about Death Stranding, going back to it, sorry to make mm -hmm. you revisit this again. Like <laughs> if we were talking about it up until that uh, hour long cut scene and the Princess Beach thing, you might have walked away from that game saying, it. this is a really positive game and this could be perfection for what he actually I still champion it. I just hate the story stuff. But yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, that's the whole thing as well. Is he was saying, you know, how does it compare to making a film or an album? Um, obviously, different mediums and stuff. But I think mm. it, for me personally, it does like blow my mind turning ones and zeros and code into controllable emotional stakes in something. Like, I, you know, you can film something, you can record something, their human experience is being recorded, but you need to craft it from nothing in a game space. That's, I mean, that's personally why I'm more fascinated. That's why I'm covering video games and not yeah. film and music. Um, I, I guess you look at films and music uh, as human emotion presented, uh, like captured. Mm -hmm. Whereas with video games, it's you structure everything. You can create anything you want. Therefore, you can, in theory, create the perfect situation because the, you can change your lighting. You can choose your camera angles. You can get everything the way you want it mm -hmm. to be. I think it is the imperfections in uh, music and uh, literature and film and TV that is what makes those things so uh, resonant, that they resonate well with people. Because mm -hmm. you just go, hey, look, there's a human experience and I am a part of that. Whereas video games, they're slightly more distant in that sense because yeah, you're, and it's, you, you it's, feel like you're in control of your character, but mm -hmm. it's always like it's, it's almost too glossy. It's too manufactured in some ways. It's too perfect. And that's kind of the thing <clears throat> with them um, that Naughty Dog have tried to do over the years as well. It's like that, that weird uncanny valley stuff where it's like they've gone, okay, let's actually do, let's actually capture human experiences. And they work, but it's like to some degree, it's also like, okay, what can you guys do that would be more, uh, something that originates from games, like rather mm -hmm. than just going, okay, we've, we've acted something and captured it. Like what else mm -hmm. can we sort of put together? Next question from Jacob Wright, who says, lads, 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 with news of the GTA trilogy being an estimate 70 pounds pounds where do you draw the line on how much a remaster should cost mm. the nostalgic kid in me is like oh my god it's classic gta but part of me is also realizing that rockstar are capitalizing on my nostalgia yeah i mean remasters Absolutely. of this nature they should not be costing 70 quid like that's I, just I, a rumor at the minute but yeah i think like, if, if it was hard. if it was true then it's not worth a full price title like if mm. it's a remake or a remaster it should i believe come at a um Actually, no, I'll, I'll rephrase that. If it's a remaster, I think that it should come at a discounted price. Mm. If it's a remake, as in they went from the ground up, and like Spyro the entire thing again, then mm. I'd say that, yeah, you can justify a full price release because you are literally making a brand new game. But I think it's taking depends. source code and tweaking it, updating the graphics. Mm. It should be put out at a lower price. price yeah, point. yeah, yeah. I think it depends how much they've done to it. I mean, they've not... The thing is, it's really weird right now because they've not shown anything of what these remasters are, yet they've said that they're coming soon. But then they, they sort of like delayed some of it till next year. They a little glimpse of GTA 5's expanded and enhanced stuff, but that looked exactly the same as existing GTA 5. Yeah, it got so I don't even... so much, didn't it? Because people were just like, what's the actual difference? Here? No, we totally. can't see any difference. Yeah, and they're still charging like full price for it. So I just, mm. I Rockstar are in a weird place for me. They're not the Rockstar that I grew up with, like by a long, a long shot. All the main creative forces that I used to love have all left the company. So I, uh, I'm curious if it, it kind of feels like they could just be monetizing old rope at this point, and mm. maybe that's what they are. Um, but um, Strauss Zelnick from, from um, Take Two did say that they've um, refined the graphics and gameplay and stuff. So I'm kind of curious what that is, whether it's a new aiming system or whatever they've done. But yeah. it's still a lot. 
if they make changes like that, they are fundamental to the gameplay. And mm. I feel like that is going to enrich the experience. But I don't think that it's justified worth £70 because you can buy all of these titles separately on yes. PC or whatever. Well, you can't price. anymore because they removed them. That was, uh, the was that their trick, was there? Sucks. Mm. They, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Today might be the last day you can get them. They were removing them this week and they were very quiet about that. Um, but if you want to own the original GTA 3 Vice City San Andreas, I think they're maybe staying on Steam, but they're being removed from console storefronts. Interesting. Um, which I, that is, that's a weird order to do it in. Like usually you would put your new one out and then go like, okay, clearly this is better. It's reviewed well and the fans like it will replace the old one. But in this case, they're forcing you to buy the new one. Yes, yeah, it's a little bit sinister because they say mm. like, you can't own this unless you pay us the 70 quid, which would actually, that rumor of it being 70 quid hmm. might actually be true because they go, where else are you going to go, mate? Like you're well, going to exactly. buy it from us. And because we're Rockstar, we've got a reputation that, the you know, thing... is a bit bulletproof at the moment. Yeah, the thing that like sucks is that if they haven't got all the songs again, like they have to renegotiate mm. all those license rights, which I make Tony Hawk's managed to do eventually. Um, But that would mean that those experiences aren't the same anymore. I just... I love those old games. Like I go back to them. I still love them. I replayed a, quite a big chunk of Vice City this year. That stuff still totally works for me. Like I don't, I don't need these new ones for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, I get that. Like the aiming is really outdated. There are things that they can do, but I don't think you should ever delete old stuff. I think that gaming should be allowed to have a history. I think it's yeah, a bit weird I, doing it that way. I feel like being able to rewrite your own history with video games is mm. possibly like a dangerous thing because you're just like, as we're seeing here, you're curate curating stuff and you're giving people what you consider to be the best experience. But lest mm -hmm. we not forget that horrible situation when um, what was it called Warcraft Three Reforged came out <laughs> and it, yeah. they, it upgraded people who had the original to this new package, whether you wanted to or not. That was them saying that this doesn't matter anymore. Mm -hmm. This gaming experience that you remember that is not as good as what we're putting out. Oh dear, it's an inferior version. <laughs> Which like would be, that's a great confidence step for an auteur like to some degree that was like when Kanye West re-recorded one of his albums and uh, mm -hmm. put it online and you can only get the new re-recorded one like it, it some part of me appreciates the, the sheer balls on that but it's not like I just I, people should be able to see what they're buying before you yeah. replace the version they actually yeah. might want Definitely. I think that's insane um, but yeah so we end on a very quick question you've got to go with gut feeling for this last oh, question sure. from the Irish Patriot what is the biggest hidden gem on the PlayStation 1 not called G Police Okay. Oh, gee, please. Amazing. <laughs> such a good, such a good laugh. I'm going right, to okay. throw out future cop LAPD. Is that just because he put G police there? It might be, is, but is, I also like, think, I mean, well, okay. If we're going for me, it's Bugs and Ties Time Busters. If, if I just, yeah. I, 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 mm, I need to think about most of it's on the PS1. Okay. I'm going gut feeling for some reason. My mind serves that up. Okay, for gut feeling, my mind is serving me up a big slice of jumping flash. Uh, I just, I don't know what it is about that game controlling a mechanized rabbit as you hop around first person platformers and leap high into the sky. As a person who has legitimate vertigo, okay. I don't know why I enjoyed this game so much. <laughs> every single time I was like wincing and feeling weak at the knees every time you like missed the platform. I was like, oh, oh God, I can't take this anymore. Oh God, I never played that. I know that that's one of the Good earliest game. like 3D platformer things. I would shout out Ape Escape, but it's not a hidden gem, but it's just because it's stuff that we've been talking about yeah, randomly yeah. in the office anyway. I will shout out Future Cop LAPD though, because that was made mm -hmm. by like Visceral or something um, way back in the day. Obviously, they're gone now. Yeah. Uh, and it was one of those times where after they got shut down, I was looking back at their old stuff and being like, oh my God, you guys had bangers, like wall to wall bangers the whole time. The thing is, is the PlayStation 1 library is so rich with just really odd mm. asides, just odd things. Like, uh, <laughs> do you ever remember playing Intelligence Cube? I know the name of it. I didn't play it. Mad, absolutely mad game where you were like playing as a tiny little man and these cubes would roll towards you on a 3D space. It might oh, be that's called on the PlayStation Classic. Is it? Oh, is yeah. it? Oh, sick. <laughs> yeah, that, that was like some was random good. thing that they put back on the PlayStation Classic. Um, but yes, thanks to everybody for sending <gasps> Sorry, sorry, oh, sorry, yes, sorry. Yes. Die Hard Trilogy. So I just put that out there. Like, 
the other day, right, I was writing a thing because um, they've been doing it on the wrestling uh, section. So we did a thing for gaming. What was really the best game between 1990 and, and 2021? So it's 31 nice. games. And um, I forget the year that that came out. I think it was 1998. Um, yeah. But obviously the world has only ever looked back on Die Hard Trilogy. But we were there at the time and we remember how big, big a deal that was. I took that out of the recording because I thought that was a ridiculous thing to point out. But I did <laughs> want to say that Die Hard Trilogy is up there with everything else. Because it was three games in one. It was really cool. Oh, um, but yes, thanks to everybody for sending in their various questions massive response this week i might roll some stuff over to next week because we had such yes. a humongous amount of stuff to get through um but yes thank you very very much this has been the untitled banner podcast you can keep an eye on our twitters i'm at slash lp89 jules is at retro j with a zero beautiful thanks to everybody once again we'll catch you all next week bye everyone bye bye <laughs>